It's Monday, June 7th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. There's division in the Democratic Party, as Senator Joe Manchin has said that he will not vote for the Democrats' voting rights bill or vote to change the filibuster rule. He said that doing this in a partisan manner will only continue to divide Congress. President Trump also made a return in a speech to North Carolina Republicans and threw out many familiar lines about the election being stolen. Ginger Gibson, deputy Washington digital editor at NBC News, joins us for this and the broad strokes of what to expect in the upcoming UFO report. Sorry, no aliens. Next, a look into the public safety app that is pushing boundaries and unfortunately making some mistakes along the way. The Citizen app recently put out a reward for the capture of a man who they believe started a brush fire in Los Angeles. The man that was singled out didn't actually have anything to do with the fire. The app was also considering branching out into somewhat of a private security force for a monthly fee. Former employees and some experts say that this new aggressive direction could do more harm than good. Sirus Farvar, investigative tech reporter at NBC, joins us for a look into the Citizen app. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. look at what happened on that evening when the election was won and all, all of a sudden vast amounts of votes were taken in just in certain states swing states swing states that i was leading by a lot then all of a sudden oh something happened it was a disgrace to our country and if you think people don't see it people see it joining us now is ginger gibson Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thanks for joining us, Ginger. Thanks for having me. We have some division in the Democratic Party as we learned that Senator Joe Manchin won't be voting for the Democrats' voting rights bill, the For the People Act. I think he wrote an op-ed about it. He said, voting and election reform that is done in a partisan manner will all but ensure partisan divisions to continue to deepen. Um, so without uh, Joe Manchin's support on this, I mean, that is uh, surely uh, set to fail. Yes, that's right. This piece of legislation, as it's written now, is just a Democratic wish list for changes they would like to see get done. And Joe Manchin says, look, there are some real issues. There are some problems. We need to find bipartisan solutions for them. We need to come together and, and agree upon what can be done to address the real issues that are out there. And Manchin really feels strongly that if they try to change the rules that dictate voting or govern the way that people vote, it will only, if done on a partisan line, only breed more distrust in the system instead of encouraging more trust. And so he wants to see both sides come together to find some type of compromise and, and really is going to stand in the way uh, of any Democratic sort of wish. I mean, they didn't have the votes without Republicans anyway of doing this along some partisan lines. Right. Yeah. And I mean, he's also spoken out about the filibuster, too, saying he's not going to take any action to eliminate or weaken it now, on the filibuster side of things. You know, it's not just him. There's, uh, I think, at least 10 other Democrats that say they don't want to make any changes to that. So um, these divisions are really kind of posing some problems for the Democratic agenda. That's right. And, you know, the 
proponents of getting rid of the filibuster would like to make the argument this is either past gun control or not, or this is either past their voting bill or not. But really, these Democrats in the Senate see this as a choice between the voting rights bill and everything that Mitch McConnell would have done in 2017 and 2018 when Republicans controlled the Senate and the House and the White House. They don't think it's a sort of a choice between just the Democratic agenda or not, but also sort of a long term, they're not always going to control government and they don't want to see the inability for them to filibuster should Republicans control government in the future. I wanted to mention former President Trump. He's back out there. He gave a speech to the North Carolina Republican Convention. You know, he's kind of been in this weird place. Um, You know, he's lost his favorite megaphone in Twitter. He just shut down his blog after a a very, very short time because it wasn't getting much traction. Um, But there he went out there in that speech and then kind of peddled some of that same stuff. The election was rigged and stolen, railed against Dr. Anthony Fauci, railed against China for coronavirus. So we saw a lot of the same from him, but this is kind of triggering this next round of appearances that he's going to be doing. I think uh, uh, he's got a rally later in June that's going to kick all that off. Yeah, that's right. We're going to hear a lot more from Donald Trump in the coming weeks. He's going to be holding rallies. He's going to be out on the stump, as one would say, giving these speeches. And it it really is a preview, I think, we saw on Saturday night in North Carolina of what we're going to be hearing him say. A lot of grievances and complaints about the Biden administration, but also about the election. And if Republicans had hoped that President Trump would return to the stump to sort of just focus on their message, which is that they don't think Joe Biden is doing a good job, but that's not what they got on Saturday night. They got a former president who wants to really litigate the last election, who spoke at length about what he thought were instances where he had been wronged in this election. And as much as Republicans are telling us in Washington that they want to move on, it's clear that that Trump is not ready to do so. Is that still a winning message for him right now? I mean, uh, as I mentioned, he's kind of in this weird place where he hasn't really been in the news cycle too much. I, I'm, I'm willing to bet it's because, you know, that constant uh, presence on Twitter is not there. But every time he surfaces up, the, you know, he comes back to the same thing. Are, are people kind of getting tired of that? Is it still there in the mainstay? I mean, what's going on with that? You know, Oscar, every time we've thought that former President Trump's message was not playing and that people were getting tired of it, we've been sort of proven wrong, I guess, except for the fact that he lost re-election. But he has demonstrated throughout history the ability to put his finger on sort of the pulse of his base and figure out what really gets them fired up. And I think we saw him testing a number of those lines last night in North Carolina trying to find the message that he thinks resonates with people who share his perspective that he was wrong, that the election was stolen, that something was taken from him and from them. I mean, he's always sort of shown this message in a way that was about us and and the people along with him being, being deprived of something. So we'll see how it plays. We'll see, I think, particularly when he starts holding rallies, whether or not people show up for them. Lastly, for uh, for this week, I, I just wanted to talk about UFOs. I love that talk so much. And we're hearing kind of the broad strokes of what that report that's going to be coming out. It's supposed to be out, I think, about June 25th. And, uh, you know, they're basically saying it's not aliens, but we don't know exactly what it is. 
I'm not sure that this report Oscar is going to do much to dispel <laughs> people who would like to believe that it's aliens. From what we know, my colleagues at NBC is reporting, their report's going to say, we're not exactly sure what it is, but we don't have any reason to believe that it's aliens. But they're not really ruling it out either. So I think if you want to believe, <laughs> um, it'll probably be uh, some evidence for believing. And if you're inclined to not believe, you might say, well, look, if it were aliens, they would have figured it out. And they didn't. So we're going to get this report. And I think, you know, the the talk of aliens, the kinds that fly in the air in UFOs will continue. I think they said the only thing conclusive thing was that it wasn't any U.S. military or government technology. There is going to be a classified annex in there, which is probably going to feel more speculation about other stuff. So, yeah, we'll see when the final report comes out. Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Information that is being transmitted to kind of the 911 system and then out through the citizen app may in fact turn out to be incorrect or at least not quite as threatening as it may have initially seemed. Joining us now is Sarus Farvar, investigative tech reporter at NBC News. Thanks for joining us, Sarus. My pleasure. I wanted to talk about the citizen app. They're a public safety app. The way they describe themselves is a safety network that sends alerts about nearby incidents, including crime. They were in the news just very recently in Los Angeles after their CEO, Andrew Frame, put out a $30,000 reward for the capture of a man that they thought was responsible for starting a brush fire that was threatening some homes in the area. I think there's some internal email saying, hey, get this effer and all that stuff like that. But uh, it ended up being false. He was not the man sheriffs wanted him for questioning. It ended up being another guy that they charged for the fires. But this kind of proves, uh, you know, the point that they can blow something up like this on his public safety app, go as far as putting out a reward for something and, uh, you know, can get a lot of people involved, possibly hurt. So, Sarus, tell us a little bit about Citizen App and, uh, you know, what's going on with them. Uh, There's a lot of concerns about them. Yeah, that's right. Um, And I think you just gave a very accurate summary of the reason why we're talking about it now in this incident in Los Angeles that's uh, certainly very troubling. Yeah, my colleague Dave Ingram and I spoke to a handful of former uh, employees at Citizen. And I think it's worth remembering that this company, which got started just not too long ago, several years ago, was originally called Vigilante. And it was originally designed to be, as you say, a public safety app. But in recent years, it's gone through something of a shakeup. Uh, some of their leadership has you know, turned over. And it's not really clear what the company's business model is, despite the fact that they have drawn a considerable investment from venture capital firms. Yeah, a lot of people uh, and some of the former employees you spoke to said that the way the app and the structure there, the, the company has kind of evolved is almost a return to that beginning, to that vigilante aspect of it. Now, I I just want to kind of uh, preface it for people that don't really know much about this app. You know, it shows up a a map of your local area. It looks like a little radar screen or something, and it it pinpoints things that are going around, crimes, fires, you know, a bunch of different things. You know, my own personal experience, one time I was at home, my wife was on her way home, and I said, hey, there's a lot of helicopters around. I don't know what's going on. Just be careful. You know, two seconds later, she texts me back. She's like, oh, there was a shooting nearby because she found it out in the citizen app. So in that respect, it does kind of work to alert people about things going on in their community. But, you know, all these other problems kind of arise after that. 
Yeah, and I think there's kind of a larger concern about what's sometimes called the fear economy, uh, you know, other apps that in the name of public safety make people just very, you know, in the worst cases, kind of paranoid about the environment in which they live and work. And, you know, I think a lot of times you get an alert on an app like that and it tells you, you know, hey, there was a robbery or there was some other kind of violent crime that's happening near you. And it's not always clear, at least not to me, what action users are supposed to take uh, if it's, you know, if they're supposed to call the police, if they're supposed to avoid the area. Because, you know, I think a lot of times the plethora of, you know, of those kinds of alerts can be a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, exactly. You know, some of those other kind of surveillance apps you were mentioning, a lot of them use Amazon's Ring cameras, a Nextdoor app, Neighbors app. I think Amazon has some partnerships with law enforcement agencies to uh, get some of those videos to help their investigations. So, you know, there is this kind of network that ends up being used in all of this. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about the early start of the Citizen app and how it started as Vigilante. I mean, what is their overall goal with the app? Because they talk about how they want to uh, provide a line between law enforcement and the community also. Does, Does law enforcement use this app at all? Well, it's interesting you say that because the former chief of police of uh, the NYPD, uh, Bill Bratton, is on the company's board. So it's clear that they're trying to make inroads with the law enforcement community. But as you say, they're kind of trying to be, I think, a way for people to find out about things that first responders are working towards faster than perhaps conventional police and fire and other emergency services can inform the public as to what's going on. You know, it's worth noting kind of something that one of the former employees told me, which is that, you know, the way that this company works is that they're relying entirely on raw audio, you know, 911 traffic, other kinds of first responder uh, radio traffic. And a lot of times, you know, if you call in, you know, if you see a car accident or you see something outside your window and you call it into 911 and you tell them what you've seen, you may be reporting something wrong, not because you're intending to deceive anybody, but because you know, your angle may not be correct. You may be assuming that something is happening when it's not. And so it's important to remember that information that is being transmitted to kind of the 911 system and then out through the citizen app may in fact turn out to be incorrect or at least not quite as threatening as it may have initially seemed. Yeah. And that's kind of the other component too, right? So you see a ping on the app, something's going on. You know, if you're nearby, uh, somebody else using the citizen app might feel compelled to go check it out. And then, you know, when you do open the app, you see photos, videos, live videos in a lot of cases of whatever's going on. And it really becomes this YouTube, TikTok, Instagram type thing where you're just kind of sitting there looking at some of the actions that are happening on the app. And that's part of the other issue too. You know, people are saying it could be dangerous for people to show up at scenes like this when you don't know exactly what's happening just yet. Right. I think it's not very clear. You know, I think, you know, if you see a video of, you know, a fire or police responding to something, you know, it's not totally clear what exactly is happening. It takes time typically for law enforcement, for fire agencies to even know what's going on and be able to communicate that to the public. And so I think it's important to remember that just because, you know, somebody has called in with a 911 call reporting a possible threat of some kind doesn't necessarily mean that that is actually the case. As an app, how successful is it? How many downloads do we see? How many, uh, in what locations is it centered? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a a tech firm that does, you know, these kinds of analytics called Aptopia uh, reports that it's been downloaded about 12, almost 12 million times. It's, you know, 
fairly popular, uh, particularly in recent years. But, you know, it's not really clear kind of where that is going. It, the downloads for the app peaked uh, last summer, about a year ago, uh, when there was nationwide protests in the wake of the George Floyd uh, murder. But it's not really clear how the company is going to continue forward. It obviously still exists. People can download it. People continue to use it. But again, it's still not clear what the company's real business model is. Going back a little bit to that incident in Los Angeles, it was their CEO, Andrew Frame, who kind of signed off on this uh, reward, $30,000 reward for the capture of that man who they thought started that fire, which was wrong. But uh, Andrew Frame himself has a pretty interesting background. Uh, he was a teenage prodigy as a hacker and uh, did a lot of stuff. Andrew Frame is certainly quite a character. Uh, there was a profile of him in Forbes magazine in August 2019 that kind of, as you say, talks about his background as an apparent hacker and you know how he wants to use his computer knowledge and, and interest in public safety to make an app that would be useful to the public. And you know, if you take him at his word. Yeah, uh, he breached NASA computer systems when he was younger. He made tens of millions of dollars working at Facebook for building a network architecture there. So uh, uh, super interesting on that respect. And, you know, as you mentioned, they, their kind of business model isn't clear. They're constantly evolving. Uh, some are, are worried that they might be getting into this thing about calling people out. They were also thinking about maybe doing some private security, doing some type of monthly service for subscribers. How was that supposed to work? Yeah, that's right. You know, and I should give credit where credit is due. There was some reporting done by Motherboard about how Citizen was driving around an SUV in Los Angeles just after this brush fire incident that you, that you mentioned. And it appeared that, that this was some sort of initial test for a private security force run by Citizen, but it's not really clear how that would be better or worse than the you know existing uh, law enforcement that does exist, uh, not to mention other types of private security that already do exist. I think that was going to be a twenty dollars a month service, and it, it you know it could be as simple as uh, I'm walking home, I need uh, to talk to somebody just in case something happens. But uh, I think they kind of scrapped that for the meantime. But we'll see if uh, something you know, evolves out of there. In the end, in all the people, all the former employees of Citizen that you spoke to, what were their top concerns? I mean, what are they thinking that's going to happen with all of this? Because uh, somebody even mentioned in there that there was always kind of this uh, red line that they were pretty confident that Andrew Frame wouldn't cross going into some of this crazier territory. But what are their concerns with all of this? Yeah, I mean, I think this red line that you mentioned, this was one uh, former employee who told us that there was a, quote, clear red line that he, meaning Andrew Frame, could never cross, which was to not identify specific people in the app, not to start manhunts. And he seems to have broken, apparently, his own rule. And it's, it's I think, troubling when we see a scenario on the Internet in general where a platform, a company, a CEO uses their power to target someone, whether that's on Twitter or other kinds of internet platforms. And then here you add the kind of higher stakes of public safety and an active fire that's burning in an urban area that certainly adds to the tension. And it is extremely troubling, I think, when it turns out that the person that the CEO has targeted and is offering money up for is wrong. And local law enforcement says as much. You know, I think that that's certainly troubling. What was their response to that whole situation? I mean, they obviously got it wrong and were falsely accusing somebody. How did they react to that? It's not 
totally clear. The Los Angeles Sheriff's Department said that this reward was disastrous because it could have led to someone getting hurt. However, that wasn't didn't turn out to be the case. Deputies eventually found this person that citizen named. They questioned him. They released him. They had no evidence to charge him with anybody with anything. And eventually uh, there was another suspect who was charged with starting this fire. Sarus Arvar, investigative tech reporter at NBC News. Thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive was produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.